0: This podcast is brought to you by Sales Fuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies, and motivators, decision-making abilities, and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com/hire and use promo code MANAGESMARTER Smarter for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: We haven't really talked about retail on this podcast, Lee, nor have we really talked ever about family-owned businesses and managing family, which from what I've heard can be almost more difficult than managing a bunch of people you're unrelated
2: to. Yeah, you have a, you have a different set of dynamics there. Uh, that's got you know, to be a real challenge. And of course, in retail, it, it, it brings its own set of challenges to it. So I'm really excited to get into it and, and learn more about that today.
1: Me too. I'm excited too. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the vice president, the Veep of communications at the company.
2: And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the president and CEO of SalesJewel.
1: That's right, and Charlie Bales the fourth. He is with us today, fourth generation family member, top executive running a nine-figure family-owned business as the VP of Human Resources and Internal Distribution of ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. He oversees 126 stores in Florida and more than 1,600 employees. Husband, a Data Three executive entrepreneur, also a CrossFitter. I'm feeling like my Peloton and my swim laps are not sufficient anymore compared to Charlie, a uh, health nut and lover of going to bed at eight o'clock. So Charlie, thank you for coming eight o'clock. Really?
3: Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. And you know, when, when you have three little kids and we put them mm. to bed at about seven thirty, 30, uh, my wife and I sometimes just look at each other and we're like, so can we go to bed too?
1: <laughs> yes. You're like, this is great. We get quiet and thinking time.
2: Yeah, so one of the things just to just to share this with, with, with the listeners and the, and the viewers is that uh of course we're not gonna let you out of here without talking a little bit about fine wine and spirits. So <laughs> keep in mind that we're we're gonna go off on that tangent in a little bit. But I want to talk about some of the challenges that, that are involved in managing a, a a staff of retail. You know, what is that like in terms of turnover and culture? And, you know, the types of people that you have to hire for those types of positions, and keeping them happy.
3: Yeah, we um, so we we try to do it at ABC by finding the right fit, because like our, our stores, we're, we're selling a, a pretty awesome product. You know, I, I have an ongoing joke whenever I come on podcasts. That I'm like, we don't sell widgets. And one of these days I'm going to meet a widget maker and they're going to be like, why, why do you hate widgets so much? And I'm like, well, it's not that I hate widgets. It's just selling vodka and bourbon and like awesome champagne is a little different than widgets. Um, so, you know, it, it, it starts there that like we're looking for people that are passionate about selling celebrations because 95 percent of the people that come in our store, they're coming in for a celebratory occasion, whether that's a wedding um, or Tuesday night. It doesn't matter. Most people when they walk in our store are absolutely ecstatic. So we're, we don't have to be like this crazy extrovert that loves people um, to work in our stores because we have a lot of jobs. However, I will tell you that that is a recipe for success. If you really like people, you're gonna do well working in our stores because we identify ourselves as more like the service industry than just straight up retail that we're stocking a shelf. If you build it, they will come. Most of what we're building and putting in our source, people have no clue what it is. So we need to educate and teach the consumer, here's the difference between product A and product Z and everything in between. So we're, we're looking for that type of person. We're also, we're just being brutally honest in our interview process that like, listen, we are not the massive uh, Fortune 500 company. Like we're the family owned business has been around 86 years that has a lot of good things going and we know some of what we're doing, but we're also like that brand new startup that has no clue what we're doing. you know, Because we ha- we're, we're so agile, we can turn left very quickly whenever we want. And I think that's a huge, huge positive for us. However, some people might not like that. They might not like that culture and the ability to change on a dime. Um, and also we're picking up 50 pound cases of liquor. So that, that weeds out people um, as well. Because we don't ask our ca- I mean, our cashiers, if you're just sitting behind a register, um, we're going to ask you to help. It's a team effort. Our stores are not that big. You've got 8, 10, 12, 14 people, not 400 like a target has. So we're, we're just, we're very upfront in the interview process. Here's our company. Here's what we're selling. Here's some expectations on the job. Um, and here's our culture. Our culture is one of respect and empowerment and inspiring yourself and your fellow team members. So we're, we're trying to convince the person to not take the job because then if they really do take the job, then they're probably gonna be a high performer and they're gonna love what they do.
1: I have a question about just in retail in general, you're brick and mortar. So what are some of the complications of managing, okay, those 12 employees in the store when you have the public coming on site and could you know, do a slip and fall or, I mean, there's people coming onto your property. It's not like a B2B where you're in your offices and the public isn't intermingling with your people.
3: Yeah, we just, we, we do the best we can to give our team members all the tools they need to succeed. Uh, we've got a really good team at the corporate office that tries to keep everybody within their, their lanes, so to speak, and just protect them. Um, and, you know, we just, all we have to do is just look at our mission statement, which is we, we're, we're looking to improve everyday celebrations for our team members and guests. And we do that by providing a really awesome atmosphere. So we have team members first before guests. So if we're taking care of our team members, then the guest is going to be taken care of as well. And that means beautiful, well-lit, well-placed, awesome stores that are fun to work in. They're probably going to be pretty fun to shop in. And um, I think that the data over at least the 10 or 15 years that I've been with the company, the data will show that these slip and falls we're talking about, these customer complaints, like they just don't happen as much within our business as opposed to other businesses. And I think that's because we're, we're coming from a place of care and concern looking after our team members that, that just translates uh, into a beautiful shopping experience for the guests too. But you know, at the end of the day, we're also realizing that we're not in complete control. You know, People are gonna do what they want, uh, whether they're a good person or a bad person, and we're just gonna react to it the best that we can and not overreact on, on anything really.
2: That makes sense how do you uh, educate your staff on you know really where the money comes from and, and i and i say that with keeping in mind of uh, the guest on manage smarter episode 50 was michael houlihan which is the guy who, who started barefoot wines and we had a little thing on there called the money map where where he would actually show the employees okay if you're going to come and ask him for a five dollar an hour raise Here's what kind of money we have to generate from where to be able to give you that, that $5. Is that part of an education process that you have to go through in retail?
3: Yeah, uh, we're, we're very transparent. Um, I would say that most companies are not, um, that, that's, especially with the finances. And really, we, we weren't transparent 10 years ago. It's, it's been an evolution um, since some of the younger generation team members come in. And we just want to educate people on where, I mean, money does not grow on trees. You're, you're There's not a right. magic
2: pot of money somewhere, you know, where it's like, hey, give it to me because I feel like I deserve it. Exactly.
3: <laughs> if, and, and, if, and if there was, it probably wouldn't be as rewarding having a successful business, honestly. But to, to answer your question, um, we're, if, if somebody wants to see the financials, we show it to them. Um, and we're, we're going to put together classes on our online learning management system. That explain what gross profit is. We have an incentive plan that is a shared um, pro- or a profit sharing incentive plan. So you know, the more the store does, the more the store takes. Um, not not ABC gets more, um, and that's that's intentional because we're. If you just look at our mission statement again, that's going to tell us everything we need to do. Take care of the team member. That's what it says. So if somebody wants to know where does the profit come from, how do I get that five dollar raise? I'm going to tell them. And I'm going to show them and I'm going to explain to them. And and I'm saying I, because you're interviewing me, but I think the entire executive team is going to do that because it's the right thing to do. Answer the, answer the team member's question. um, Which sometimes they might not like the answer to that question because you're telling them, no, like you cannot have a $5 raise because the likelihood of this happening is pretty much zero. Um, However, we can chip away at it. You can bite off the elephant one one bite at a time, not swallowing it whole, because that's just going to kill you. So I, we're, we're 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 very transparent. We're an open book, and we try to answer every question that a team member has because it's the right thing to do.
1: I, that's rare because I work for family-owned businesses that they're like, "That's none of your business. I don't have to, you know, talk even talk to you about this and go back to your office." So. Is that more of a millennial Gen Z kind of thing? They actually have an expectation. They view the employer-employee relationship a little bit differently as more of a flat hierarchy and they feel like they have the right to know. Is that what you're experiencing with your younger people?
3: I would say so. I mean, I I am a millennial. So answering that question, it's just second nature to me that like I grew up, if I didn't know the answer, you just Google it. And there's, there's radical transparency everywhere. I grew up with YouTube. I grew up with all these things. So if somebody asked me, well, how much money does the company make and where does it come from? Well, here's, here's where it comes from. That's my immediate reaction. Uh, but that's not how it was when I started in 2008. But also the internet and all these social media platforms weren't what they are today. So I think that's been a, a change and an evolution throughout the past decade plus. However, the third generation, which I'm, I'm a part of the fourth, so the third generation, they're the ones that are running the business right now. And they're all in their 60s. And they've been in the business for 40 years they have been extremely supportive of that radical transparency. And they wow. deserve a ton of credit for that. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the secrets that we've been around for 86 years is that the, I keep saying 86, it's really 85, but um, we're, we're getting very close. By the
2: time you're listening or watching this, it could be 86. So. Right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but I think that that's one of the secrets that the generation that's in power listens to the generation coming up and there's this compromise and meet in the middle um, on, on all the on all the different topics. And uh, transparency has been one that has come to light over the past number of years.
2: That's one of the things that I was curious about that being a fourth generation business. Like how do you stay I, I often see sometimes like the second and the third generations, like, like, they 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 kind of lose the vision of you know what the founder of the company you know had in mind, or they don't value the same things that the, that the founder values, and then things kind of just go astray so it, now being in your in your fourth generation, it's like how do you uh you know stay in touch with you know what the founder of the company you know had in mind for for the business, but also kind of keep it growing. And you know, not get complacent with, with it, and just take things for granted like like I see, so many other generations do.
3: yeah, um, I, I think that it's the understanding that our our foundation, the, the the relationship that we all have, the foundation of that relationship is to look after the business, which is supporting all the families. And you I mean, we we've, we've got dozens of family members now, but not everybody works in the business either. So we don't force people to work in the business. We've had people that work in the business and then they leave. Um, so it's it's. I, I think that there's I think there's a lesson in that that the people who are working in the business really have to enjoy the business um, and enjoy what they're doing. You know, I'm I'm somebody that I'm not this huge drinker and lover of the craft of adult beverage alcohol. Well, guess what? I don't run our sales team, <laughs> and you know, I don't run store operations. I run HR and I run internal logistics and finance and accounting. So I'm, I'm running the the functions that are supporting that, but I love doing it. And it, I think if you put me in charge of sales and marketing, which my cousin and my brother-in-law run those two divisions, I would crumble because I'm not them. I don't have the passion that that they have. And I think that the company has has given, you know, they've they put the right players into the right seats. And a lot of that's happened naturally. Um, And I I just, I I think there's a huge lesson in that, that not everybody has to work in the business. Not everybody has to do this particular job and just find what people are really good at and then exploit that talent.
1: It sounds like you have the rare, unbelievably functional family. Sounds like a dream family (laughs) as opposed to dysfunctional. I mean, is the number one mistake that that multi-generational family businesses make is, if somebody is misbehaving or not delivering results that you don't address it because they are family or what do you see as the, maybe the biggest mistake families? I,
3: I absolutely think that it's that. I think that, yeah. you know, in, in our business, if you're a family and you're working in the business, your expectations are through the roof and it, and you're, you're, you will be expected to perform at a five X rate than the normal team member. And that's, that's not to put down the normal team member by any means. That's just to show that like, don't ever ask somebody to do something that you're not going to do yourself. And if you're going to try to crack the foundation that this entire business and all the families sit on, which is a respect to the business, that the business is bigger than any one individual, it's not going to last. You're, you're just, you're not going to be in a, in a position to do that. And I think that the families all respect that. And that's that's been the, 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 the fundamental uh, primary um, determining factor of our success that, you know, I know I'm not bigger than the company. Everybody knows these things. And some of us had to learn that the hard way, me guilty. Um, but it's, it you, you, you do learn the lesson and you do see that you're not bigger than the business or the company. That is number one and respect that.
2: So, and fulfilling the promise to the audience now, it's like, so, what are you, know, you look at the financials? So it's like, you know, what are the most popular wine spirits, beer products, wherever that, 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 are you know, going on these days? And, and what do you see, you know, for the future of, of your business?
3: Yeah. Uh, there's, it's a lot of the brands you could name. I mean, the, the, the Tito's story Tito's is the number one product that, that we sell. It's a, you know, Texas vodka that, everybody's was, uh, will will call it an overnight success that like, where did this come from? Um, Tito's sold on the streets, like hard, hard, uh, you know, door to door sales, selling to this liquor store, that chain for like 17 years and maxed out credit cards left and right. And almost lost his business five times. Go listen to him on a podcast and you'll, you'll hear inspiring. The guy's unbelievable. Um, but then, Once it finally got into stores, it took off. So it's not this overnight success that, that he was, it took years and years of hard work. And now he's, he's reaping the benefits of it. He's got a great product. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners know that everybody knows the big brands, the crown Royals, the Johnny Walker's, um, the Robert Mondavi the barefoot wines, but where, where we're seeing explosive growth is in the craft scene. Um, so it's it's the no-name brands that you're not familiar with, but they're you know distilling from an elderflower and creating liquor out of it that's going to go into this beautiful uh, weird version of an old-fashioned that you're going to use rye whiskey instead of corn whiskey. Um, where our our team members at the store can help you with that, and it's the same thing on the wine side and the beer side. You know beers that are coming out these days are are not Bud Light and they're just they're. They're almost like a meal because the amount of taste and flavor that they have mm-hmm. and complexity, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and same thing on the wine side. Is it aged in a French oak barrel or an American oak barrel or, a, or an old port barrel? Uh, where are the grapes coming from? It's just there, there's so many complexities that they have now. But all the big brands that people are used to, Kendall Jackson, Naomi, like we sell it. We uh, you, you have to. That would be like the grocery store not selling whole milk of course we have to yeah you gotta sell Heinz
2: yeah wine in a can though that's just that's just something I I I see seen on your website I'm going that's not that's something I'm familiar with to be honest with you I
1: mean wine in a can
3: Florida you know where a lot of people Mm -hmm. are drinking outside beaches boats and it's funny that all I want to say the majority but it's like 90 plus percent of the products in our store they're in glass bottles so I mean, I I I recognize the need for that, but it makes it really heavy. Glass breaks when you drop it. The Can doesn't. Plastic doesn't. Um, so you're, we are seeing this transition. Um, some of the big names are going from a glass bottle to a plastic bottle, and some people might think that's cheap, which it might be cheaper. However, it's actually a a, a good move on on all parts. There's there's less there's less damage. It's you know you drop you drop a plastic bottle on your toe it's going to hurt a little less than the glass bottle especially when you're on your boat so that's that's why these uh, wholesalers and manufacturer of these products are just trying to adapt to the customer demand and especially in Florida a lot of drinking happens pool outside
1: decks. yeah no glass on the pool deck for sure mm-hmm. in Florida this was just an interesting landscape that you play in it's it's great we got about a minute left here. ce bales is your Twitter and it's b a i l e s everyone. And then your website is it's CharlieBales.com, right? What so people reach out to you and you know what what else do you have going on?
3: Yeah, that, that's my personal website. Uh, oh, please reach out to me. I'd love to chat with, hear from anybody. Um, you know, we're like I said with ABC, we're just, we're in the service industry. So we're we're not the just put it on the shelf and you figure it out. You got a question to Ask. We're we're here to help. Um, we we look at our platform in the state of Florida as an honor and a privilege to serve, you know, a controlled substance to the population that's used in a celebratory event for the majority of the time. I mean, how, how fun is that?
1: It is fun. This has been great. Congratulations to you and your family because, you know, what is that old saying that they say? The first generation makes it, the second generation preserves it, the third generation spends spends it it all. (laughs) So you're on the fourth generation and going strong. So congrats to the family. And it's been such a great uh, time getting to know you, Charlie. Thank you.
3: Thank you all very much.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.